You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. All right. I am Cindy. My claim to fame is that I'm married to Lance Steves, and uh, it's a full-time job, ladies. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about prayer this morning, and I guess before I get started, um, I'll just let you know that I stepped down from women's ministry in July, and don't be sad. I'm not going to stay at home and just be a cute pastor's wife. Not me. No way. I actually am transitioning into prayer ministry. And so I'm really excited about what uh, the Lord has been showing me about his heart for prayer for our church and for this community. And like seriously, I could not come up with the ideas that God's been giving me. I'm totally stoked, excited. And um, so it was kind of cool that I ended up getting to speak today. I feel like this is too low. Does it lift up? Um, So it's really cool that I got to speak today because I could talk to you about some of my ideas that God's been showing me. Thank you. And um, we could just maybe have a little chat about prayer this morning. So back in July, our kids went to camp for a week. It was our first time of sending them to camp. Okay, so I'm like a nervous mom. And then once they're gone and they're there and I know they're okay, nobody's called me within 24 hours to tell me, meet me at the hospital. I kind of relaxed. And this is what I found out. When I would clean off the kitchen counter and I would come back two hours later, it was clean. And I was like, this is awesome. And then I would listen and I would hear nothing. And I was like, it's so quiet. And that was absolutely beautiful for about 24 hours. And then you know what happened? I really kind of missed the mess. And I would see fingerprints left over on windows from before they left. And I would go, oh, that's my baby's fingerprints. (laughs) And, uh, you know, really, what's the use of having a house with four bedrooms if they're not full? If you don't hear laughter in your hallways, if you don't hear the occasional bickering, you can keep the big house, right? And then the mess. You know, as much as it's nice to have clean counters and towels that all face the same way with the folded side facing front, it's not worth it if you don't have the, the kids, right? So anyway, what God was really showing me was that, you know what, he's like that with us. He's a good father. And for him, we are worth the mess. We come to him, and we're noisy, and we're messy, but that does not make him say, okay, just give me a break. He never needs a time out from us. And uh, the Bible says that he's the good father. And so a lot of times when we talk about God is our father, people immediately start putting up walls, and they say, um, yeah, well, you never knew my dad. Or nice analogy, because I never had a dad. Or my dad was there, but he was not there. And so when we start talking about God as a father, sometimes people just go, um, can't relate to that. So could you just use your imagination and think of, what if I knew the best father 
that ever lived. What would he have been like? And so let me tell you about this. Imagine like a CEO of a company or maybe a commander in the army, someone who's got like this all awesome power and authority and owns all the wealth, maybe the king of a country. And they've got everything. All eyes are on them. They've got all the power. But when they go home, they go into the nursery and they take that little baby out and they put the baby on the floor and they get down nose to nose with that baby and they let that baby touch its face and smush its nose and all the titles and all the power is still there, but it's just, it's just back burner compared to what's in front of them. And they adore, absolutely adore being on the ground. Jesus, God did that for us. He sent his son, creator, to come into this nursery called earth. And he said, I want to look eye to eye and nose to nose with you. And the baby would babble and say really nothing but to the father, it was everything. And that little baby has no ability to have conversations with the great creator. But the great creator says, it's okay, I'll speak your language. You'll learn mine as you grow up. And you know, that's how we are as Christians. We've got to reinvent our relationship with God every few years. Because, you know, the relationship, my son's birthday is today, he's 10. And the relationship I had with him with two it wouldn't work today. <laughs> Believe me, he will not let me smush his face all over at school or anything. So, you know, it's got to be reinvented. And I'm having conversations with my 11-year-old that would make us all blush. And I'm like, isn't this a little early to be talking about this? But yet, it's different than seven years ago. And so every, as we grow and mature, our relationships develop and evolve, right? And so with our father, it's got to be going. It's got to be evolving and growing and increasing. So... There I was at camp, uh, the kids were at camp, and um, I had also a great week because I had lots of time to think about um, what God wanted to do with prayer and stuff. So I'm stepping down from women's, um, oh, another great one talking about the father. You know, Lance yesterday wanted to go for a walk, and he's, you all know he's into fitness and stuff now because of his previous health concerns, and he's doing awesome, he's so healthy. We, we figured he's lost between 70 and 90 pounds. Yay. Yeah. And uh, so he wants to go for his walk to get, you know, his steps and to stay healthy. And as he's leaving, he says to the kids, if you want, you can come with me. And I thought to myself, ugh, bad idea. But I thought, hey, empty house again. So I'm like, oh, good idea. Yeah, that would be fun. Let them take their bikes. And so they went out to the gun range, because that's where a father would take kids. And so as they're driving down the road and the kids are biking, Liberty gets really tired. And she starts crying. And I taught her that. So I just said, he t- they came back and told me. And now while they were gone, I was actually praying, God, it could get frustrating for him, so give him what he needs, you know? And I turned off my cell phone. And then I just prayed about it and left it with God. And so when they got back, I said, what happened? Did you guys have fun? And Louis says, I got so tired and I was crying. I said, uh-oh. I said, and then what happened? And she said, Daddy said, let's stop and have a rest. And we threw rocks. And when I put her to bed that night, she goes, we always do, what's your high, what's your low, what's your high? And she goes, my high today was throwing rocks. And I thought, you know what? That is a literal picture of what the father, a good father is like. 
you know, and he didn't hit out of the park all the time. But, you know, things like that make me go, you did it. Way to go. Because you could get frustrated thinking, I want to be here. I want to do this for me. But, um, you know, and the Bible says that we who are wicked in our very best moments, we're still wicked compared to God's goodness. And he wants to give us those good gifts. So, um, one of the things uh, as we're moving forward with prayer is I just want to let you know, uh, one of my ideas that God gave me was that what about if we could have these prayer ministry nights that were just strategic and random. So this is one, okay? So on September, I think it's 19th. I'm not exactly sure the date. It's on the back uh, sign-up table. But September 19th, we're having September. It's back to school. What about if on a Saturday afternoon we said, we're going to have prayer ministry time here at the church. Bring your kids. Tell your friends, bring your kids. We're going to pray blessings over your kids for back to school. I'm like, God, that's awesome because it gets outside of our church because as great as prayer meetings are here, nobody's going to come and say, I want to join your prayer meeting if they're not already from here. But if we say we're blessing kids this week, we're going to teach you how to speak blessings over your kids if you want or we'll pray for them, wouldn't that be really awesome? Because when you get back to school, who knows that you need prayer for your kids, right? You just show up first day, find out who their homeroom teacher is and who the bully is, and it's like, yeah, I'll sign me up for some prayer blessing for my children. Okay, I hate driving down alleys to intimidate other children, but you've got to do what you've got to do. Okay, back on track. Okay, so let's just say for the sake of today, uh, for simplicity, that we put prayer into two categories. We've got... Um, corporate prayer, and we've got personal prayer, okay? I know we could go way deeper, and, and who could speak on prayer in 20 to 80 minutes and uh, really do a good job of it? So what we're going to do is just say there's two categories. There's corporate and there's personal. So when we look um, at prayer and our spiritual walk in the Bible, quite often the analogy of a house is used. And... Um, a house is just that tangible picture. A house should have... Okay, I've never actually built a house. I'm just going to confess it. I didn't. Okay? Uh, I haven't even built a birdhouse. <laughs> I really like them, but I haven't built one. Strong foundation is majorly important. House builders here, put up your hand, Randy. Is a strong foundation, like, the most important thing for the house? Pretty much, right? And that you own the land you're building on. Okay? So foundation... And secondly, the house needs to be developed, right? It's got to be framed. It's got to be everything that comes after framing, right? That's important. And then it's got to be filled. Who builds a house not to fill it? Uh, A couple scriptures in um, the Bible referring to that house analogy. Matthew 21, I had on the first uh, picture here. Doesn't that look so cool? Cold Lake Community Church. My house will be a house of prayer. And... um, The next one is Psalms 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And that's so true. Going ahead of God is never a good idea. I always find that if you can go somewhere in prayer first, the natural will follow no problem. But you've got to do the prayer work. Uh, Matthew 7.24, this one is just the picture scripture of your spiritual life, your prayer life, and that talks about 
Jesus tells the story. He says, Look, listen, it's like this. There was a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And we remember it from Sunday school. And what happens? The rain and the winds come. And it doesn't stand, right? But the one who builds their house on the rock, on that solid foundation, when the winds and the storms come, it holds. It's good. And uh, it was so funny because I was thinking, you know how stories often reflect the Bible and they must get those ideas from the Bible or somehow? But I thought about the three little pigs and their story, you know? And it's like the house of straw, the house of wood, the house of brick. And the thing is, is that the ones who built the straw and the wood houses, they just wanted to get it done fast. And they were like, you know what? We can play. We can sing. We can dance. This is good enough. And I'm just telling you that when it comes to prayer, it's never enough to do it quick. It's always the journey, and it's the lifeline, lifeland, um, lifelong commitment. So just for the sake of discussion, um, I would say the candle, that's a wedding unity candle thing there, the prayer of agreement, powerful prayer. I'm going to be talking about this Actually, Saturday morning, I'm doing a a beginner's prayer training. So if you've always been like, you know what, a lot of people, they just say, I don't actually really pray much because I'm not even sure what you're supposed to do. So we're going to have a beginner prayer training Saturday morning, 8 a.m. There's a sign up in the back, and we're going to be talking about just basics of prayer. Okay, so one of the things is the unity candle, and that represents to me just the prayer of agreement. And you know what, if you pray, two people pray together, anything according to heaven, that means God's will, not just anything, then God says it's going to be done. And so we're going to talk about what that could look like. Um, The blowtorch, not that it's a specific type of prayer in the Bible, but I thought that reminds me of flare prayer. Have you ever done a flare prayer? It's like blowtorch, you turn it on, it's immediately ready to go. Flare prayer is help. It's like you pray it when you're on a roller coaster. You pray it when you're in a hospital. It's, it, you may never pray. You may not have prayed for six months. You may have been a proclaimed atheist. But flare prayer happens every time in someone's life. That's where it's, it's just on. And you're not even, you don't care if you believe in God. You're just, whew, send it up fast, okay? And the other one, the fireworks one, I thought, what a great picture of corporate intercession. And the thing about corporate intercession is that when God's people come together and pray and agree and clean up the past stuff and say, Lord, let us have that um, spirit of righteousness through you to rise up, it impacts the whole city. It can be seen everywhere. It can be um, seen by many. It can be enjoyed by many. It can change the spiritual temperature of your city. And, um, you know, the Lord was telling me yesterday that um, good preaching and acts of kindness alone will not change our city. And I thought, what? Like acts of kindness, like you're kind. One of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. And, you know, many people come to the Lord through preaching. And he says, good preaching And acts of kindness alone will not do it. And I just kind of felt like, okay, like, well, what will? And he just led me to that scripture where Peter was on his way. Peter and John are on their way to the temple, right? And as they're walking to the temple, they meet this man who is 
um, paralyzed, I believe. And uh, he said, silver and gold have I none. So there was no tangible act of kindness. And he didn't preach a sermon to him. But this is what happened. Peter had this personal relationship with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit that came to dwell on the earth when Jesus went to heaven was dwelling in Peter. And that dwelling began to bubble up in Peter. And it started bearing witness with Peter. This man here, I want to heal him today. And so he said to him, take up your bed and walk. And this man was healed. And God was showing me, it's not going to be just kindness. It's not just sermons. But when my spirit dwells from that place of personal prayer, it's going to bear witness. And it's going to be not, hey, let's look around the store and see if we can pray for someone. But that spirit is going to alert us. That spirit in us that's been bubbling, that's been tended to, is going to say, go. Do it now. Speak this. And that is the part, not that necessarily has been missing, but it needs to be upped. Okay? So, um... I thought this was a great picture to show for personal prayer because it really, um, you know, a campfire, it needs to be tended to or it's going to go out, right? And anybody else here just get mesmerized by a campfire? Like you could sit and just like be around it forever. Like I'm going for a walk and I smell campfire and I'm like, campfire, I smell it. Someone's got one in their backyard. And I tell my kids when we have a fire pit in the backyard, this is camping, they don't know. So, okay, now go get your pajamas on and I'll come pray for you. But, you know, a campfire, it's got that warmth. It's got safety. It makes you feel, you know, and, and the fire, if you don't tend it, it's going to go out. So I thought, you know, what a great example of that, um, of what personal prayer is like. So I felt like the Lord was saying in regards to our prayer, he says, you know what, if we will up our personal prayer temperature then the corporate or the community prayer temperature that'll come and he said this is where we're going to start we're going to start with just saying lord what what can i do to increase it so when we look at prayer i know for a lot of people this is like total repetition so you can just like be interceding and pray or you can be like god you teach me something because obviously you know this is basic but for those of us who maybe need a refresher or maybe you're just like you know i'm not really sure I know I've talked to people about different things about prayer, and they say, I never ever pray that way because I didn't understand what it means. So let's just talk about the basics. <clears throat> the Sermon on the Mount is um, where Jesus started talking about, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is really all you need for your basic everyday stuff. If you want Christianity in a nutshell, you don't have to read the whole Bible. I mean, you could eventually, but start with the Sermon on the Mount. It's got everything you need for daily living. So, and it's for everyone. And so he starts off talking about when you give. And then he says, when you pray. And you know what I noticed? That the way you live your life, your good deeds, and your prayer life, they should be similar. 
And he says, when you give, you, don't, you should do it in secret. Don't make a big show about it. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's not talking about in marriage. That's not about like when you're shopping, don't let your husband know what you bought. That's not what it means. I used to think, oh, it's scriptural. No. <laughs> what it means is you're not going to be advertising to everyone, look how good I am. Okay? And your prayer life, your personal prayer life, he's t- making that same analogy. When you, when you have your personal prayer time, it's going to be like this. And so he goes on to tell us what uh, that will look like. So I have this on the screen, and this is actually this portion of Scripture, and it's in the NIV. And I would love to just read it to you from the message. And I hope the message doesn't offend you, because it's actually a translation. It's not a paraphrase. And I think Eugene Peterson does an amazing job. Because if you weren't raised on King James... It, it really does sound foreign to a modern person, to a person who wasn't raised in church. So hope that doesn't bother you. But I'm going to read it from the message for you. For, um, starting from verse 5. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show of their prayers, hoping for stardom, do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus is going to shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply, like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and, keep for, and us forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You are a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you, ref- if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off. From God's part. Isn't that like, I mean, I love the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> but isn't that nicely said in a simple way? So I think what we can see here is a couple of things. Number one, don't be a hypocrite. Jesus really did not have an eye or a value for people who would stand on the corners and say things like, Thank you, God, that I am not like them. And you know what? No matter how you phrase it, whatever you finish that sentence with, it is not an acceptable prayer to God. Because by saying, thank you, God, that I'm not like someone else, you've immediately set yourself up higher. And so that doesn't cut it with him. But you know what he did really point out to the disciples? He says, see that man over there? See that man? And the man beat his hand on his chest, and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God said, that prayer I accept. 
And so I love how the message says, when you come to me, come honestly and sincerely. And it's like, he knows everything. We don't have to make ourselves look good for God. He knows the yuck stuff. He knows the good stuff. And so if we can get to that, first of all, be quiet and, and go to that secluded place, whether it's your bedroom closet or in your vehicle. You know, I used to, when my kids were younger and I wanted to get to church on time, I would put them all in the van in the garage with a DVD player, and I'd go back in the house and get ready. Now I leave the kids in the house, and I go sit in the vehicle in the garage so I can have some quiet time. (laughs) But whatever you can find for a place. Second of all, it says don't do it for show. And he says don't use vain repetition. You know, if vain repetition, if repeating the same words over and over again worked, we would have everything we want. It would be a formula. And people would do that. You know, even the Lord's Prayer has been made into a repetitious prayer. Now, there is the prayer of persistence. Don't get me wrong. Persistence, God pays attention to. Persistence is when we're pushing back against the enemy and we're saying, I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. Absolutely. But thinking you will get what you want by saying something a hundred times, no, that's, that's not it. Um, secluded place. Approach him as the good father, like I said. Approach him like he's the one person in the world who loves you the most. Do you ever see someone and it's like, ah, whenever I see them, they're always happy to see me. There's a few people. I mean, not everybody's just wired that way, right? Like Melanie Shannon, she's a hugger. Something you should know about her, she's a hugger. Very rarely do I see her that she doesn't give me a hug. And, you know, she's she has different times where things are going on in her life, but she's always got a smile. And, and you know, like, we need to kind of work on that ourselves to say, I, I can choose to be like that. But some people are more naturally wired. Approach God like that, that he's always happy to see you. And like, John, like Lance said, John 3.17, I came in the world to redeem the world, not to condemn it, right? So he, there's no condemnation in his presence, So coming into his presence, knowing that, okay, if I'm coming in here, he's glad I'm here. He's not saying, well, you promised you'd come in the morning, and now it's 10 o'clock at night. He's not like that. He knows anyway. He didn't disappoint him because he knew. And it says, and when you begin to perceive his grace, so many of us come in and we just start talking, and we just think, It's got to be a certain way. Can you just be still for a couple of minutes? And when you start to perceive his grace, when you start to perceive that, yeah, he's here, he loves me, then go on for your next thing. And take that time to listen. I try personally to always end my prayer time just saying, God, before I stop, I just want to know, is there anything else you want to say to me? And it's always something really nice. It's always something that makes me go, oh, God, Really? Like, did I just imagine that? Because that was so nice. And it's like, well, guess what? The devil's not going to tell you nice things and pretend he's God. So just take it that God is telling you a nice thing. Um, Tell him your daily needs. God's not a hoarder. (laughs) There's some TV shows about hoarding out there that make my skin crawl. But God's not like that. The only time we see in the scripture where God's talking about storing up lots that I can think of is Joseph, where it's like a famine is coming, 
I'm giving you lots ahead of time, and he told them, and he let them know about that. Otherwise, give us this day our daily bread. God, help me to just have enough for today and to be okay with that. Help me to resist the temptation to hoard, even when things are on sale, because all that does is it makes me not need you tomorrow. It makes me not ask tomorrow because I don't need it. And I hope, hope that comes across properly. I mean, I have a Costco card, okay? So I'm not saying don't buy in bulk, but I'm just saying there's a line. And God, a Holy Spirit will show you what that line is. Okay. And finally, he says, remember who you're talking to, that he's ablaze with beauty, that he's got all the power and all the glory. I hope when you leave your prayer time with the Lord, when you're having a conversation with him, whether you're driving to work or whatever, that afterwards you're going, God, you're amazing. Because that's the whole point. It's to spend some time that makes us go, okay, bring on today. I'm just telling you, the headlines right now, Israel and Iran, North, South Korea, transgender Christians, like this world is going crazy faster than you can imagine. We need to leave his presence with hope, okay? So just, that's a key. And if you're finding blocks in these areas, if you're finding like, you know what, I go to pray and these things aren't happening for me, then you need to get out to that beginner's prayer. We're going to work on some of those things of hindrances and obstacles that... um, that can easily be taken care of. The other one, obviously, is forgiveness. He talks about that in the prayer, forgive us as we forgive others, and then he goes on to talk about it again at the end. Okay? One of the hugest things, if you're not, if you feel like I can't feel God's presence, one of the hugest things is, number one, you've got to come in clean, and you ask the Lord to forgive you for the things you've thought, the things you've done, the things you want to do, but you shouldn't, and you just make your heart clean with him, you receive his forgiveness, and then you've got to um, forgive people. There's just no way around it. He's not just saying, you know, well, I'll make an exception for you. If he, the one who was sinless and blameless, could die on a cross for our sins and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, nobody has a right to say, but I can't. Okay, so that's, again, it could be something you might need more work on, but you you got to understand that's, that's one of those non-negotiables. Okay. It did it again, the iPad code thing. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not technical. Oh, there's the rest of it, yeah. Huh. There's a really good one after that, too. All right. So we're going to move on to Proverbs uh, 24, verses 3 and 4. This scripture, I love it because it really uses that um, scripture of the house analogy, okay? So by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Wisdom is accepting the Lord, Okay, that's your conversion. That's your, um, God, I'm converted in an instant, but the building, the establishing of the house, that is ongoing forever. Okay, so we're always maturing, we're always growing. Establishing is by teaching, through learning the Bible, through learning who God is, through going to church, through being encouraged, small groups, all those things are establishing. And then... This part is 
by knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Do you know the word knowledge there? It's not university. It's not um, 8.0 grade, grade average. That knowledge word means to know intimately. And so this is what happens. The longer you know someone, the more you know someone, the more you know what they're like. And so, like I said, what's the use of having a house that has a foundation and that's been developed, but it's not filled? And you know what I found as a woman is that once your house is filled, then you say, maybe we should unfill this room and refill it with new stuff. (laughs) You need to constantly be pursuing those beautiful treasures. There are things in the Lord that we, we so often just settle for a foundation or we settle for a developed house, but God's like, there's so much more. Do you know that in his presence, um, there is unending, unending things to be discovered in God? You know, if you think you have an understanding of, of forgiveness, if you think you have an understanding of what surrender is, God has a million facets of different angles of looking at that and bringing those truths to your life. And I think whatever your theme is, however you see God, one of the themes God's shown me is faithfulness. And he shows me all the time how he's so faithful. He's so faithful. And that word comes up for me all the time. And it's just like you could spend eternity learning about the rare and the beautiful treasures of God. So I want to ask you this question. What's your prayer temperature like now? And that's not a, it's not a judgment. It's just an assessment. So maybe you're a picture person like me, and you could think of that campfire, and you might say, well, it's getting down to the embers. Or you might be like, it's a bonfire. We could warm a village with my, with my prayer temperature. So I just want you to think for a moment. What would your prayer temperature look like? You know, a few weeks back, I was praying, and the Lord showed me a picture of two pairs of scissors. And they were scissors I'm not familiar with. I have done hairdressing in the past, and I was never sued, so I'm very thankful. But I had, God showed me two pairs, really big scissors. And one was for cutting bushes. I'm not a gardener, but there's something to do with, like, cutting off dead stuff on trees. And the other pair was, like, gold scissors, and I know they're for material, but I Still don't know the exact name. I want to call them pinking shears, but I'm not sure if they were. Anyway, I looked at these two pairs of scissors, and I thought, wow, what are those for? And he said, these are pruning shears. And I said, oh, okay. And the other ones, he said, they're material scissors. And he said, they're for making something beautiful. And I immediately knew he was talking about a wedding dress. And uh, Later that day, I'm out in the front yard, and we have these three bushes, and the one of them, it just looks like, oh, like the winter just had its toil on it between the kids and the snow, and Lance handed me these big scissors, and he says to me, this really happened, not in my God time, and he says, you've got to cut off the dead stuff, and I was, honestly am not a gardener, and I'm like, well, how do you know what's dead, and he pointed it out to me, and I said, if we cut all that off, there will be nothing left. He goes, well, you got to cut it off. It's dead. And so I cut away at this bush as much as I could, and I looked at it. It was so ugly. It was just like a semi-stump with two little branches, and they still didn't look well. And I really, I was like, Lance, I think we should pull it out. 
We, can, we get some, can we just get a new one to put in? And how many of us are like that? We don't want to deal with ugly. We don't want to deal with half dead. We, we just want it to look good, okay? God, can't we just pull it out and go buy another one? That's what we always do. He's like, it'll come back. He goes, it just needs time. I'm like, time? This is June. We only get two months of summer. Like, you're, ki- you're killing me here. And you know what? It's coming back. It's not as beautiful as the other two, but it does. And so prayer, God began to show me prayers like two pairs of scissors. He says, one, we got to, in our personal prayer time, we got to cut away the dead stuff. He goes, you let me do that. And he says, the other part is making you beautiful. It's making you ready to be a bride. And he says, if we don't have both, he goes, those one, this pair here, it hurts and it looks ugly, but you got to keep your eye on the prize and know that I can't use the nice scissors if we don't use these ones. And I thought, God, you are so awesome because you make it in a way for me that I'm like, go ahead. Do what has to be done because you are so kind. You already prepared the good thing to say let's take away the bad thing. So first, so let's look at that. What are the things that are hindering you from praying in your prayer temperature? Is it busyness? Everyone's busy. We're all busy. Very few people I know are bored. You know? Our, our prayer life has got to stop looking less like Facebook, where we just check in and like, comment, poke. You know, it's, it's got to change. It's got to be more connected than that. I'm not saying anything's wrong with Facebook, but I'm just saying it's got to go deeper. Okay? So, what's hindering? You feel like your prayers aren't effective? The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effective, fervent prayer, there's some King James for you, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means if you come with a clean heart and you say, God, this is what I'm believing for, and it lines up with his will, he's saying yes. And he's saying every single time you pray, something happens. Well, I don't see any results. Tell Daniel that. The angel shows up and says, Daniel, 21 days ago, when you prayed that prayer, God sent the answer. But there was stuff in the way. There was warfare. Okay? So just because you've been praying for a while, don't get weary. Don't stop. Do you know how much God loves surprise endings? He is crazy about surprise. He loves. I'm telling you, everyday, normal, uh, mediocre, keep the status quo, that's not him. He's, he's just like, can we please do something exciting? Okay? Look at the Israelites. He could have easily just blinked them from one side of the Red Sea to the other, but he took them through. Can you imagine the stories they told their children and their grandchildren? You know, your grandpa told me about crossing the Red Sea. He said it was like this. You know, like, he loves a good story. And don't quit because it's not over yet. Okay? Samson. Well, if you stop after he got captured, how depressing. How sad is that? Well, God anoints someone, but it really ended bad. No, he gives one more prayer. One more prayer. He says, God, if you will return to me my strength one more time. What about if Samson didn't pray that? Do you think God would have just done it? No, he needs our prayers. And don't stop praying. One more prayer could tip the scale and change everything. Samson killed more Philistines in that one 
based on that one prayer than his whole life before. So just because the, the story got a little messy, just because the story got ugly, doesn't mean it's done. You just got to keep praying. And my prayer today is that we're going we're gonna to up it. We're going to do more. What's one? Uh, ask God, what do you want my prayer temperature to look like? Maybe you see a picture of that. Maybe your number was two and God's number is nine. I don't know. You got to ask him. What's one action that you can take this week that's going to move your prayer life closer to what he told you? What's one thing you can do? You want to get up 15 minutes earlier? You want to shut down everything maybe a half an hour earlier than you would have normally? Maybe you're going to start praying with your spouse. I'm just telling you, I'll just be real right now, Lance and I don't really pray together a lot. We haven't because we pray about needs as they arise and stuff, but we have bought about 10 couples devotional Bibles and they don't work for us because I'm like super spiritual and he's not. No, just joking. Just, I think part of it is that kids happen and you get out of routine, but I'm just saying the power of just that unity prayer of agreeing together and always, 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 when you feel like I don't want to pray with you, those are sometimes the best prayers. Because God is immediately in there, and you have to be honest. And I'm just saying that um, there is something significantly, hugely spiritual and powerful when husband and wife pray together. You don't have to pray long. The Bible says don't pray long. I mean, if it's you and him, God can listen to you all day. But when there's someone else there, and maybe they're a little ADD, you should just pray nicely. But just agreeing together, believing something's happening. Love you, babe. Maybe you want to sign up for the prayer training. And you just say, you know what? Even if I know it all, this is going to help me be accountable. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go because I want to make sure it's a priority. I'm telling you, the way our, you just don't know between now and next Sunday what our world is going to look like. Never mind our own little world, our big world. We all need to pray more. Whether we're at prayer training or not, We all need to pray more. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe maybe you need to repent. Sometimes we just get in the habit of talking to God and we don't do the formal thing of saying, here's my garbage, I'm sorry, I'm putting on your righteousness, I'm I'm taking what you've done for me on the cross and I can be clean before you because I'm accepting what you've done. Because you want to know one of the biggest blockers to joy in your life is unrepentance. Because you're walking around with this invisible weight on you. And you're like, it doesn't feel good. And I don't know why. I don't like people. I don't like food. I don't like this. I don't like noise. I don't like crowds. I don't like the things I used to like. And maybe if we just kind of clean up that spiritual flow that comes out of our belly, that part of our spirit, if we take some time just to say, God, show me the things that maybe there's a backlog of repentance that I need to do, things that I'm sorry for and I need to let go of, and all of a sudden it's like, I feel clean. And clean equals feeling joy. Not happy. Happy comes and goes, but joy. Joy's got hope attached to it, long-suffering. It's beautiful.
you can walk with the Lord for 40 years and get a backlog and say, oh my goodness, look at that. I just had some unrepentance there. I had some unforgiveness, and it can be set right. So what's one action you're going to do this week? Do you have a thought in your head? And the last one, who can you tell? Because you know what? It's a proven fact that the epiphany of a great idea is worthless if it doesn't have an action, right? And so what helps us to be accountable to that action is to tell someone. Maybe you can tell the person beside you, guess what? I'm praying an extra 15 minutes this week, even if it kills me. Oh, by the way, heads up, you will have opposition. Even this morning, I said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to pray before I come to church. I opened my door to, um, I don't know why I left my bedroom, but anyway, I opened my door, and I had three smiling faces, like, right here, because it's Lucas's birthday, and they knew they would get hot chocolate for breakfast. And I was like, oh, my, how long have you guys been up? Since six. Okay. So, you know, there's going to be distraction. There's going to be opposition, but that's okay. God's not surprised by that. You just say, God, you know my heart. I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you. Clear the way, Lord. And if it doesn't work on Monday, by goodness, I'm going to try it again on Tuesday, and I'm going to, I'm going to press through. I'm not going to say, you know, shame on me, give up, who cares? I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm upping my prayer temperature. I'm upping it. And the more you leverage, the greater your return. You know, if you can put it all in there, you're going to see bigger results. But do what you can. Do what you can today. So um, maybe we'll just uh, close in prayer. Maybe we'll, let's all just stand up. We could just have some maybe CD music, I guess. And um, I want you to seriously, if you want to sign up for the beginner prayer training, it's at the back. I want you to seriously consider if you can tell someone, they don't have to be the person beside you. Maybe you're going to call someone later and say, guess what? I'm up in my spiritual prayer temperature. Really? What's that? Well, let me tell you. Okay? And um, let's just pray over this. And, of course, anyone who would like prayer today, Lance and I and uh, Randy and maybe Gord will be up here. Anyone who's on the prayer team are welcome to join us. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are stirring our hearts and you are reminding us again today that, Lord, you're here, and you haven't gone anywhere, and that your heart for us, Lord, is that we would be so close to you, so covered by you, so protected by you, so in love with you, and that, Lord, you've got more. Forgive us for settling, forgiving us for going Sunday to Sunday and just doing enough. Lord, we want more. We look at our community, and we think, Lord, where are you? And, Lord, we've got to stir it up in ourselves. So, Father, we just commit this week to you. Lord, I know, Lord, in this room, there's such a vast uh, expanse of needs, such a vast expanse of what level we're at with you, if there could be a level. But, Lord, to everyone here, Lord, your hand is extended, and you're saying, I've got more. And we just commit this to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I just pray over each one here just a blessing as they go from this place. Thank you, Lord. We ask in your name. Amen.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.